Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Old Lady Speaks Podcast on Black and White and Red All Over. I'm your host, Danny, coming to you for episode number 82. And as always, if you want to listen to this one and our previous 81 episodes, feel free to subscribe to us on your favorite podcasting platform, whether it is Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. Search Black and White and Red All Over there. Feel free to rate, review, subscribe, all those good things. So, we shall get things going here by bringing in the crew of Sam LaFresse. Hello, Sam. Hello, Danny. To, uh, to to use the parlance of New York City, it is dead-ass mad brick outside. It is it is very cold. It was like 10 degrees overnight. It's not warm. Not fun. Not fun, no. And I, had to, I, and I, like, and I like an idiot, really wanted to cook a particular thing last night, so I went out at it to the grocery store after the game, after the UVA game, to go get stuff. And I was like, this is a poor decision like the night at the end of uh indiana jones and the last crusade he chose poorly but yeah envying those in the warmer climbs today somebody who spent his winter in not so warm of climates chucks hello chucks yeah it's uh not as bad as over uh over there in the year end it's uh still pretty reasonable here but even though it's cold outside it's uh warm in my heart so uh yeah let's uh get the show rolling <laughs> and we are sergio romero list this week i am going to assume that based on what sam lapresti said sergio is sitting on a beach somewhere no just kidding he's actually traveling so that is why Sergio's not here so we shall begin our takeaways from the week that was with chucks what you got for us bud 
well, my main takeaway is, uh, I mean, it's hard. It's, it's always hard when you have two games because it's like I have a lot and I have to pick one. And I was like, oh, man. You but pick one and you must do it now. Yeah, and I will. Uh, sometimes I cheat. I pick two, but um, I will. You must pick one and you <laughs> do it now. I will indeed pick one. <laughs> um, yeah, the one I'll pick is just that um, it's – I kind of learned that I have to get a little better at assessing players, um, you know, assessing players' performances because um, – you know, last episode I said, I remember I'd said, um, I praised Alexandro and then I think I'd criticized Bentancur. I think that was it, if I remember correctly. And then obviously based on the weekend I was, you know, they had vastly contrasting fortunes, both players. Um, so I don't know. I think I just need, I think I really just need to think about how I like pay attention to players during games. But the thing is with fullbacks, it's so difficult because they're like on the edge of the screen, you know? So it's like, when you're watching games, it's like on the very edge of the screen. So you kind of have to be like squint and try and find them. But um, yeah, so I, I have to do a better, uh, I have to do a better job of just, yeah, assessing players' performances during games. And uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully I'll succeed. All right, Samuel. Chuck's left you the, the main talking point coming out of Saturday's game. Are you going to go for it? Uh, yeah, I am. Uh, <laughs> I figured as much. My, 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 my takeaway this week is that personnel turns over, but this front office has absolutely no idea what the hell they are doing. Unless the finances are truly this bad, there is absolutely no reason to suddenly be pulling deals from Paulo Dybala off the table or trying to alter them. And here is a guy who has been one of the greatest servants to this club in this you know in this in this last decade you know a guy that has palpably shown his love for the club in the past and the guy that the coach that you brought in re-brought in to great fanfare the guy that he wanted to build this team around going forward he wanted to build this project around paulo dybala and you are making every effort possible to inspire dybala to leave in a huff and go somewhere else for free without getting any any value out of it out of his departure at all for reasons i i understand the injuries this last these last year and a half have been concerning but in my opinion it's still not uh it's still not a reason to be doing this to be playing with fire the way that they have been doing it uh to the point where you might have actually angered him to the point of him saying no we're going to take our business elsewhere it's foolish it's stupid and here we are doing it anyway just like we've been doing a lot of other foolish and stupid stuff over the last couple of years you know it was under Fabio Paratici but now with Maurizio Arriva Bene and we don't know how much Cherubini has to do with this or or Arriva Bene Arriva Bene certainly was the mouthpiece of it a couple of days ago now you're looking at a at, at at yet another thing that could extend this rebuild interminably and, and deprive yourself of perhaps the best player on the team. So, yeah, this this front office just has ever since Beppe Marotta left has just so totally lost the plot that things are going to have to get better there before they get better on the field. And that is really the <laughs> unfortunately the main focus of the past 
know, we're recording here on, on Sunday night and the, the past, you know, 24 hours or so is really what Paulo Dybala did rather than, or, and everything that has kind of led up to it being rehashed and not Juventus winning a game with relative ease against a very depleted Udinese side. And as we've chronicled on the website for literally two years, this has been a contract negotiation that, you know, was never going to be easy. It, it never seems to be all that easy when it comes to Dybala a lot of the time. But, you know, as Sam, Sam pointed out in his recap, you know, this, this goes back even further to when Dybala was rumored or to be very close to a move to Manchester United in a swap deal for Romelu Lukaku, who instead went to Inter and is now back in England. But it's just, especially these last couple months where we thought in early October, Juventus and Dybala's camp and most notably his agent Jorge Antun had, had the, you know, basically a verbal agreement for the, the contract extension between 8 million net and then the 2 million in bonuses. And then it just became, okay, when is he going to sign it? When is he going to sign it? When is he going to sign it? And we're sitting here in the middle of January. He still hasn't signed it. Obviously things are very frayed between the two sides. If Dybala's death stare towards the tribuna was any indication of that. And it's just become such an an avoidable mess these last couple months. And I don't know when you have a contract extension last for this long or extension talks, I should say last for this long, you're, you're, you're bound to find some trouble. And here we go. Juventus and Dybala, at least from my point of view right now, don't look like they're going to be exactly uh, together for a very long time after the season. I mean, it's, it's really hard to speak very definitively on things um, like contract negotiations, because I mean, while journalists do, you know, give us like inside scoops on like, okay, they had a meeting on, you know, Wednesday, and then this is generally how it went. We don't know exactly what was said. These meetings are obviously behind closed doors as I mean, they should. (laughs) Um, So, you know, we, yeah, we just don't know. Of course, you know, if we knew exactly what was said, then it would be a little easier to to assess the situation, but now we're a little just easier, <laughs> much easier, of course, <laughs> make our jobs a lot easier. We might, we might know why they've drawn this out for two years, Chuck. Yeah, 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 exactly. I mean, cause that's, I mean, that's, you know, first of all, absurd. And secondly, extremely unusual. So, you know, for example, you mentioned that there seemed to be a ver- verbal agreement uh, in place between Dybala and uh, Juventus. So then that begs the question, okay, if there was already a verbal agreement in place, then, I mean, what took so long from turning verbal into, you know, written, which is what counts in, you know, counts in any kind of transaction, the written, the written word, uh, you know, signed and sealed, that's what obviously counts. So, you know, there's a question there. I remember when we talked about Dybala's contract, I think in the summer, I think, you know, I think the summer was about the last time we talked about it uh, extensively. Um, I remember I'd mentioned that or speculated, I guess, that, you know, okay, contract negotiations generally are about money, of course, you know, uh, Dybala says, you know, hey, I want more money and, you know, I want a new contract to include, you know, more wages and stuff. Okay, fair enough. But uh, that, that that's merely one angle, one one variable of the contract negotiation. 
There is, you know, the length uh, of the contract. There have been many times where, you know, contracts have essentially been agreed upon, but then fall apart because of the desired length of the contract. So what player wants two years, club wants, or well, usually it's the other way around. Usually it's like the, the club will want two years or something. And then the player wants on like three years. Um, I specifically remember uh, William um, at Chelsea. Um, I was reading about this the other day. William at Chelsea, he wanted a three-year contract extension, I believe, with Chelsea at the time. And then the club only wanted two years. So that's why it fell apart. And, you know, they went their separate ways. So, you know, that's another thing that can happen. Okay, you know, maybe there's a disagreement there. So, yeah, you have money, contract, or a length of the contract, and also variables like bonuses. So, you know, performance-based bonuses. Uh, bonuses, is there something there as well? Um and I remember this is something I mentioned in the summer was, you know, and I mean, this again, this is wildly speculative. I don't know, but, you know, could there be also a case of Dybala wanting, um, I guess, how do I say it? Wanting a certain role promised at the club. So, you know, wanting to be, I don't want to say guaranteed, but wanting to be assured to some degree of like, okay, uh, is this team to some degree going to be built around me? Is there going to be some kind of, you know, am I going to be a focal point to some degree uh, in the current slash future, future Juventus uh, side? Uh, that's something I speculated because just of how much he's been kind of, yeah, kind of yo-yoed around in the, in the, in the team, positionally speaking. So, you know, he's been played false nine. He's been played on the right. Uh, we've had, you know, three different managers. We've had, one manager playing very possession-based football, one or, yeah, one or, well, actually, I'll say two playing, wanting to play possession-based football. Uh, then uh, playing a little more uh, conservative-style football, different formations. And obviously, this counts for everyone. You know, everybody's experienced, uh, every player has experienced this. But I think Dybala's managed it quite well. Is there some kind of, you know, feeling of like, okay, you know, what is my role going to be? at the club am I going to be kind of some kind of focal point am I going to have a fixed relatively fixed position as a Sukona Punta you know who knows maybe that that's something there as well because um, yeah I mean you know they're, they're human beings and sure money is a big issue but I mean he surely he's an ambitious guy he wants glory too you know he wants recognition so yeah what are the variables besides money I think that's really the key question what are the variables besides money that is causing this to take longer than, I don't know, longer than my career as a writer at, at SB Nation, which is, yeah, also years. And uh, seems like this contract negotiation is taking years. So it uh, has taken years, pardon me. So, um, yeah, who knows? I don't know. I think what the, one aspect that you haven't put in there yet, Chucks, is egos. And... You know, I I do think that there was, especially when Fabio Paratici was around, was a there probably was a healthy dose of 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 bruised ego involved in the early stages of that negotiation, because there was Paratici saying, you know, looking at at was a very public failure on his part to get DiBala out and Lukaku in, you know, and, and all of a sudden DiBala not only stays, he starts producing, and you know w- wins the MVP of the season last year. And now he has to start negotiating a contract extension with this guy that he had clearly wanted out of the t- out of the club just just a couple of months before. So that that probably colored the at least the early stages of this. And now again, you know, Maurizio Arrivabene just making 
a, you know, really inexplicable, taking a really inexplicable shot at Dybala, considering the fact that he is right now with in the absence of Federico Chiesa for the rest of the year, he is the best player on this team. And the 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 main attacking outlet. And he's gonna go and 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 badmouth him publicly like that. Dybala has ridden a lot, you know. Like I said, he he loves this team. He two years ago when he scored that goal after after the whole Lukaku thing fell apart. Yes, he pointed to his own back to the name on his back, and then he patted the badge. You know, he uh, he scores against Napoli last year, and he immediately went and kissed the badge. He loves this club, but is there a point now where you've you've angered him to the point where even though he loves us, he has to let us go? And I I, I do think that we're starting to find that point because there is just such the the club has and 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 especially the new directors who didn't have anything to do with that before have just been so needlessly antagonistic towards him which which just is it it doesn't seem necessary and it boggles my mind why you would do that so publicly unless you really wanted him gone but if you wanted him gone then you should have done that in the summer transfer window when you could have gotten something out of it it makes no sense it makes it look like whatever plan is going on isn't you, you know is there a plan is there a coherent plan or is it just a really crappy plan this behavior is really concerning to me from the front office because it, a number one is that going to reflect on how the front office treats players in the future and how you know and whether or not that suddenly takes a little bit of the shine off Juventus as a direction. Oh God, the directors are going to be jerks to you. Or does it mean that this group is just not competent and not going to be capable of getting this rebuilding phase in the direction that it needs to go? It, 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 it raises serious questions about how the front office is being handled. And, and there already have been serious questions about it from for quite a while now, given the way Andrea Agnelli is has behaved over the last couple of years, but you know we we've gone very quickly and with a very clear mark of line of demarcation from being one of the best run clubs in Italy under Beppe Marotta to a team whose front office really just seems like an utter train wreck the moment that he was forced out, and it, it makes the prospect of this rebuild going years and years and years look a lot more like reality than than not and and you know to add to that as well it's like i'm thinking multiple things here because firstly it seems to me like you would want in any type of rebuild not not even a rebuild but just any type of team long-term kind of team vision you'd want to build around a spine of a team or a spine of players rather so you know the goalkeeper obviously and then so in our case just uh yeah wash and goal and clearly you have the licht you want to you know build around him Locatelli, Chiesa, and I would think Dybala, you know, I think those are the, what was that, one, two, three, four key players um, that you want to build around. Not not saying that everybody else is just like, okay, get them all, you know, get them out of here. But um, those are, I think those are kind of the, the four key players that you want to build the spine around. I mean, three, I mean, goalkeepers, kind of a given. So let's just say three, um, those three key players. So 
you know, if if that is the plan, then it would seem like a given to me that you'd want to extend his contract sooner rather than later. Once again, it sounds to me, I mean, from the rumors, from uh, articles written, it sounds to me like Dybala's demands aren't absurd. It sounds like, I mean, yeah, they're, they're increased wages. Yes, of course, but... Um, it doesn't sound like it's, you know, he wants uh, Ronaldo level wages or something like that. You know, I, I don't, I don't get the idea that that's been the case. So no, he, he is not asking for 30 million euros net chunks. Hey, hey, you never know, man. You never know. You got <laughs> Hey, inflation. I'm telling you, it's the supply chain. I'm telling you, it's, um, but um, so, you know, at least that, like, it sounds like he's been reasonable, of course very specific clauses of the contract or might be on a fine print that he's asked for who knows but just in, just basically in terms of salary it sounds pretty reasonable so um if it is the plan that you want to build around this spine then yeah you would want to you know get that extended as quickly as possible if you're not willing to just walk away from the contract negotiations from what sounds to be semi-reasonable demands then that sounds to me like you don't really have you being the management uh uva upper management it sounds to me like you don't have any kind of that there is no <laughs> hate to say this but <laughs> that there is no plan it sounds like there is no uh plan there to have a spine of the team or that the spine that i'm thinking of is not the one that they are thinking of and I mean, I think it's pretty abundantly clear to everyone that um, Balo Dybala is by far the most talented player, attacking-wise, uh, the most talented player. Him and Chiesa are, you know, clearly by far the most talented uh, attacking players uh, at Juve. So, um, yeah, I mean, that begs the question of like, okay, well, what is kind of the core of the team that you want to build around? Um, and also, you know, if they let this... Um, you know, there are about six or less than six months left on his contract, which means he can enter negotiations with um, other uh, clubs right now. So if you're willing to let it go that far, that either means you have no idea what you were doing um, or that you were very confident that you were going to sign the contract extension, again, you being the, the club here, um, that you were very confident that, you know, so confident that you were going to get this sealed up and done that you, that you were said that you say, you know, oh, okay, it's, it's fine. We got this. I mean, let it go into six months, you know, cause we'll, we'll get it done eventually. So, you know, it's either arrogance or competence that, uh, that has, uh, yeah, led us to this point, which, you know, it's funny because I remember in the summer, again, I was kind of blase about the situation. I was like, well, you know, if Dybala leaves, then well, yeah, I guess it is what it is because in my defense, um, he was coming off the back of a, I mean, relatively poor season. Um, the last, uh, let's see. Yeah. Yeah. Last season, uh, which, I mean, I don't know. I thought he could have been good. Yeah. Could have been better. Of course he had the season when he was the MVP, which yeah, I mean, I don't know if I agreed with that, but um, I mean, it was good then, but you know, I don't know if I particularly agreed with that. The, the but, Ronaldo fanboys did not agree with. with <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. Someone is always going to, you know, find you find you someone's gonna find you and uh, you know criticize you somehow but yeah so you know he wasn't coming off a great season so I was kind of like ah, eh, you know okay but this season he's actually played in a well in his best position and well what happens when you play players in their best position they play pretty darn good football and he has played excellent uh, football so far so that kind of reminded me like oh yeah he is still extremely extremely talented 
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Well, you mentioned the, the contract potentially running out. And think about this for a second. Obviously, we know that Chiesa who's reportedly set to undergo surgery in the next few days, he's going to be out at least six months. So that kind of puts him on the borderline of if he's ready for the start of the season. Juventus could start the season if things kind of look the way they're they're trending at this point. Keza still rehabbing his knee injury. Alvaro Morata probably heading back to Atletico Madrid when Juventus don't pick up his option. Paulo Dybala potentially not on the roster because he left on a free transfer. So as of right now, if you were to project things out, Juventus are not only going to have to spend a lot of money to try and replace those players, hopefully, but only have two guys, two attackers under contract with them being Moise Keane and Kyle George. So Either way, no matter, even if Dybala stays, and I mean, throw Dejan Kulusevsky in there and Bernadeski in there as well, but I mean, in terms of like actual forward forward, Bernadeski's a free agent this summer too. That's right. So, I mean, at least he's looking like he could sign a contract extension, unlike Paulo Dybala. But my main point is, in terms of the players who play striker (laughs) or, you know, seconda punta, there aren't many players who could be on this roster that are currently on this roster next season who are on this season's roster. So it's just either way, Juventus are going to have to spend money, no matter if Dybala somehow magically does sign this contract extension or not. It's just, and, it's, and we won't it, receive any money for, yeah, it's just, a to, it's just a total mess. And, and therein lies the rub of where is our money? It's yeah. not there. Yeah. And that, and that's, that's, I mean, I, I said on Twitter yesterday, you know, I can see the Juventus point of view where, look, Dybala's injuries have been like, okay, do we really want to commit this amount of money to a guy who is probably going to, with his injury history the last two years, going to miss a good amount of games? But you can also, I also said, you know, I I totally understand why Dybala's pissed because this has been two years of just complete uncertainty. And then, as we mentioned at the top of the show, even before that, this Juventus front office minus... Fabio Paratici tried to get rid of him. And when you look at the front office, the only, I mean, Cherubini has been here. He's just now moved up the ladder. So Arriva Benny is the only new, new guy. So, I mean, I don't know. It's just, it's weird to, it's weird to see Arriva Benny in this capacity. Just like you said, Sam, just being the new guy. And obviously he's, he's familiar with Juventus, but 
just taking shots at <laughs> their best player this season. I mean, it's just it it's just it's mind-boggling to see how we've gotten to this point because there there are so many avoidable steps along the way. Yeah. It it just it just doesn't seem like it just doesn't seem like there was a plan. And I remember Chucks, who I, I was thinking about this this week. Chucks, when Isaiah Pirlo got hired last year, you, you know, that was when you very, very much were insisting that there just doesn't seem to be a plan anymore. I was still of the opinion that, that there was, that I could see something, but now I, I, I'm moving more towards where you are here. I, I, I don't see what the plan is unless they just, unless they just need so much time to be able to pivot away from, from the Cristiano Ronaldo years. But the fact of the matter is that pivoting away from the Cristiano Ronaldo years really ought to include Dybala. And here we are talking about, you know, whether or not he'll, he'll be headed out on the free, you know, at the end of this season, it just, it, it doesn't, it's, it's like, uh, it's, it's like South park. This does not make sense. And like I said, well, we won't, you know, Danny, you described uh, Morata, Dybala, and um, Chiesa. Well, Dybala potentially leaving, and then um, Morata likely going back to Atleti, and Chiesa being injured. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, those are that's minus three players and plus plus zero money, you know, <laughs> because obviously no, you know, transfer fees from any of them. I mean, Chiesa coming back, of course, from from injury, but the other two, you know not having any money coming in. So that's, uh, yeah, oh, I mean, it's well, uh, pretty great. Chiesa is, Chiesa is quite literally minus 60 million euros this summer because they have to complete right, his deal. Right. Yeah, yeah. Though in fact, there's apparently, I, I saw one news report saying that Chiesa actually, and, and I, I don't think they'd be this stupid, but Chiesa had apparently, they, uh, because of this injury, the statistical bits for triggering the obligation in the loan might actually get missed but they'd be stupid not to go through with it because Chiesa is is easily your best player once once he gets back on the field especially if the ball is gone but yeah that's the that's the the other thing you and you were talking Danny about how Juventus is going to have to pay a lot of money well in the next two summers you've got 60 million going out for Chiesa You've got another 40 going out for Locatelli the summer after that. And you've got Kane on an option to, on an option to, or on an obligation to buy. Uh, that is, I think, what, 15 or 20? So that's another 60 million two summers from now. And there's going to be very little room, unless we find a lot more money somewhere else, for new recruitment, for, for lack of a, of a better rumor, the Vlaoviches of the world. It's just, you know, it's not there. And you've got the added dynamic of, yeah, okay, we're optimistic that Chiesa will come back and be the Chiesa of old, but it's a major knee injury. You never know for sure. I mean, this ACL injuries aren't, I mean, yeah, you, you're, you have the chances of being back to being a very good player now as compared to 20, 25 years ago. But you look at, and albeit it's it's kind of double the double the punch in the gut for somebody like Nico Zaniolo, you just don't know for sure. I mean, it, it's it's a process, so it's not like Chiesa is going to come out and look like the Chiesa at Euro twenty twenty right off the bat. I mean, it's just it's it's going to take time. And 
then you have to seriously now entertain the idea of Dybala not being around that that team next season. And God, the, the attack is just going to look, I mean, <laughs> I don't know what the attack's going to look like because there's so many players with just giant question marks around them. Basically, Kane, Kayo, Juan, and that's the, that's another one. Not, not even Quadrado has officially signed his contract extension, and that was supposedly a done deal months ago too. Yeah, I, I think, uh, I can't remember if it was Romeo Gressi or somebody else, but essentially Juventus has put all contract extension talks on hold for now, just because the the, the Dybala thing was kind of like the, the snowball to get everything rolling. You know, you figured they'd get Dybala done late last year, and then it would be handed off to Quadrado, and then it'd be handed off to Bernadeschi, and, and so on and so forth. So this Dybala contract standstill has just affected the club in numerous ways, and now your most talented player is officially pissed off at the club. And who knows if that build that bridge can be rebuilt at this point. Who knows? It it's a you know it it, it there's you, you can only push somebody that, that loves you so far before you finally before you finally you know wreck it all and it and 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 it ends anyway. So is true in life, so is true in football. And it it really is looking like this contract negotiation. It it feels like a it feels like surgery done with an axe. Like it's just it it's just been now such now that a, is a mental image. It, it's just not contract negotiations, especially one for a player like Dybala. They they are finely tuned things, and and Juve are are, are using are, are feel feel like the front office is just use are are going at it with blunt instruments. Yeah, and I mean, I don't, you know, if I if I wish I wish I had the time to uh, look into Juve's financials and you know excruciating detail as uh, you know as Fefu does uh, and others do as well. Uh, unfortunately, I don't. But yeah, I mean, you have to wonder if there's something. Which I mean, I guess we sort of know that there is something wrong with our financials. But um, yeah, you have to wonder if there's something that we don't know about the financials that is so serious that it's i don't know just just kind of messed up their contract negotiation or their ability to negotiate contracts or something financially going on of course there's the whole case of the the plus valenza case i guess court case if you want to call it i forget what they called the investigation but i remember they had a name for it was it Prisma, Prisma, or something? Nah, I don't remember. But anyway, the whole ordeal with the the um, I I keep wanting to call it like Optimus Prime or something. <laughs> yeah, well, I always uh, always prefer the Decepticons, <laughs> unless uh, and I always prefer the Shia LaBeouf was there. Without Mark Wahlberg, ain't the real one. Come on now, but yeah, I mean, there must be something going on that we don't know about that just has completely, I don't know, hamstrung their ability to seal any kind of contract negotiations uh, as you mentioned with the other players as well i mean i'm pretty sure it's standard practice to not have multiple players contracts running out in the same year to year and a half i mean i'm pretty sure you don't want to do that so i don't know who knows who knows um has the great drake once sang uh, why are they always acting like we can fix it with a meeting well wrapped actually and saying seeing it but wrapped it that, well, that see, it seemed to work for Locatelli. They, they finally managed it after the after a bunch of them. So, don't worry, Juventus has more meetings with Sassuolo as the Scamacca talks are supposedly set to begin for the summertime. So, back to meeting with Sassuolo. 
Back to listening to that's more Drake. Be like, that's that's the, like, like, do you think that do you think that they do it like at their own at the club offices, or do you think they go to like restaurants or stuff, and the waiters are just like, oh god, these guys again? Uh, knowing it's a pandemic, I hope it's Zoom. That's that fair. too, and that's and, fair enough. And anyone that's watched, I don't know, some spy shows knows surely you're not going to do that at a restaurant with all these people that can listen to it. <laughs> you know? Surely you're going to do it at, I don't know, a park that, with that, your that, backs. That's why you do the. That's why you do the cone of silence, like in uh, Get Smart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the last yeah. few years, you definitely haven't seen the plethora of of pictures of random Serie sporting directors meeting up at hotels to have a have a dinner and a chat with other. Random city sporting directors. Wasn't there a wasn't there a picture of of that with like Nedved and Raiola just a not not too long ago? Yes, yes. And then and then of course delict rumors came out after that. So yeah, exactly. We'll blame you, Chucks. He's Dutch. Yeah, blame accepted. (laughs) And the Dutch. That's right. Uh, uh, before before we get to a few Twitter questions here, we will talk a little bit about the Supercopa, which uh, wasn't exactly the greatest way to start the week, and especially so if you're a certain Alexandro. And as much as the talk was around Dybala this weekend, I think coming out of the Supercopa, the talk, at least for a lot of us on the blog, was about the massive mistake that Alexandro did and just kind of how far he's fallen over the last couple of years. And, you know, I know some people went back and forth. Well, he's never good to begin with, or he was, you know, he, he's still, no, he was very good to begin with. That's yeah. That, and that's, and the... that's, that's the unfortunate part, but I guess how would we kind of describe, obviously you don't want to lose a trophy regardless of how we perceive the Supercopa, but did Juventus play actually that poorly? I mean, I guess that's what I'm going for. Obviously, the Sandro mistake clouds our judgment on everything because of the manner in which it came and the time in which it came. But I, I still can't decide if Juventus actually played poorly against Inter, knowing just how kind of, especially just how shorthanded they were and how just it felt like the team was, for the most part, doing a good job of not letting Inter just kick their I mean, it was, it was, it, it wasn't, it wasn't. I mean, the, the defensively for, for that performance to go and, and essentially keep them out from open play until that last mistake, it, it, is that an accomplishment, especially for, for this, the way this inter team has been playing? Yeah. At the same time, I felt like there were a lot of missed opportunities in this game. I feel like after McKinney scored the goal, Juve were really kind of pushing the issue. And, and, you know, they could have perhaps kept Inter back on their heels a little longer, scored another goal, made it really, made it really difficult on them. Um, and then again, didn't do that. And almost the same thing happened on Saturday with, you know, w- when Juve just came out of the, out of the locker room against Udinese, totally flat for the first 10 minutes. You know, this is a team that, that scores a goal and then decides that it's over. And that happens with such frequency that it can't be just the players being lackadaisical about it anymore. That has to come be coming from the manager at this point, if you ask me, um, which has always been one of my pet peeves about Max Allegri. But so, I mean, was, was it a defense, was it a, a defensive accomplishment to do what they did against Inter? 
yeah, for the most part, I guess th th that that is certainly a, a plausible argument. But I just I, I was left with this taste in my mouth that we probably could have and should have done more, especially in that first half after McKenney scored to, to really kind of push the advantage. And it never happened. And then Sandro, you know, makes that. And like, I agree with you, Danny, that Sandro was that good for several years. You know, I remember going into the Cardiff final, he was, you know, there was the, the, the talk, you know, is he now, you know, is he challenging Marcelo as the best left back in the world at that time? And now he's just at that point in his career where like, you know, when you were a kid and you had a pet and your pet died, but your parents didn't have the heart to explain death to you yet. So they told you that it was like, went to a farm with other pet, with other animals where they could play and their old age, like that's where his, like Alexandro's career is at the footballing version of that farm. His, his time as an effective player, especially at the level that Juve wants to be it, it's over and and luca pellegrini came in and played really really well on that left side against udinese and then mattia de Chilio, much to sergio's chagrin probably came in and perhaps did even better than pellegrini that that is um, the real reason why sergio isn't here yeah he, he's like both de Chilio <laughs> and rugani had really good games and he just can't own up to it and yeah. face it. Ser so he Sergio just... Sergio is sitting in the fetal position somewhere. Yeah. Just scared to scared to click on the zoom link because of what happened on Saturday. Because oh gosh. Yeah. But it, it is time officially to look at, at Luca Pellegrini and say, no, this is your job now. Run with it. Felt like that's where it was headed before Pellegrini got hurt in December. I assume he was taken out when he was because as a as a minute managing move, because I remember Allegri saying that he didn't have 90 minutes in his legs yet in a, in a, in a pregame press conference a couple games ago. Yeah. That's what um, I assumed it was. Unlike Arthur, who obviously took a knock towards the end of took a, took a knock yeah. and also was, was on that yellow card and kind of lived a little too dangerously while he was on that yellow card for the rest of that, that first that, half. That is the Arthur way. Yeah. But yeah, it, it, it's, it's it's time it is time for the changing of the guard at that position to happen and hopefully pellegrini runs with it the way that that, that we all hope that he has and that he has the ability to i mean i don't, I don't know i'm going to be slightly uh, contrarian as a i guess my job is here what? um yeah i don't know duly noted as my job here but yeah i mean you know lest we forget well actually before i say that you know this kind of oddly has been a season of redemptions for a lot of players you know Bernadeschi had been written off as a wash and you know he's um I mean not come back as a ballon d'or winning player but you know has been competent you just mentioned De Chilio. he's also kind of um yeah seemingly recovered uh, quite well from I mean not necessarily being like absolutely terrible but just not being you know um not being exactly a source of hope and inspiration for Juve not like wow we got the Chilio you know nice we're going places you know the Chilio has been um yeah pretty stable last few matches as well again small sample size but not too bad there uh either lest we forget as well uh Chesney um starting the season had you know that well just terrible run of games uh to start of the season and uh yeah we were you know talking with some concern about him as well. And he's uh, also recovered very well 
um, himself and just someone, again, very, very small sample size, but Lugani um, as well. Um, Daniele Lugani has had, uh, you know, two pretty solid games um, also. So, you know, this has been a season or kind of a period anyway of mini redemptions and, and glimmers of hope for, for players that we thought were just, uh, yeah, just not Juve quality anymore. And, and seemingly have at least made themselves, like I said, competent to be able to play for Juve. Um, so yeah, with the Alexandro thing, you know, I'll like lightly stand by what I said um, last week, which is, you know, I don't think he's a complete wash just yet. Um, but yeah, I mean, it is definitely justified to give someone like Luca Pellegrini more opportunities, um, which I think Allegri seems to understand. And I think he seems to have quite some faith in Pellegrini. I mean, enough faith anyway, give him, you know, 90 minute games or, or 60, 90 minute games and stuff. So I think that's pretty encouraging there. Yeah. I mean, and Alexandra, it's like, I go back and forth because I was reading a lot of the post-match commentary um, from, I mean, just on the articles, but then also from, you know, just comments, commenters on the, on our website. And yeah, I mean, it was very uh, surprised. It was very polarized. Um, it was, you know, it was kind of back and forth between um, some people saying, yeah, Alexander is just completely, you know, sell him now, he's done, whatever. And they'll saying that, uh, which there might be some merit to that argument, saying that, you know, he was honestly pretty solid for, the 119 minutes, I guess, um, of the game. And then, yeah, that crucial mistake, mm. obviously, you know. Mm. I mean, I don't know. Mm. I don't think that was a completely invalid argument. I, 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 I mean, I, I don't I, think he was, you know, Juve, Juve loses that game in, in normal time if Perrin doesn't make the save on Dumfries, and that was totally on Sandro for losing him. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's definitely his side. I, I I didn't think he played a particularly solid. I, I don't think, and, and this was something that actually ticked me off a little bit when Allegri came up with his press conference uh, the day before the Udinese game. I do not think that, that Sandro's game on Wednesday was a case of good game undone by one enormous mistake. I don't think he had a good game overall. Don't call a guy out in the middle of a press conference. Don't do that. That's bad man management, but also don't blow smoke up our rear ends over it either. And I could, and I really do think that was the case for Sandro because he, you know, talking about how he, he, he you know, oh yeah, he had a good game. Made one say, no, it wasn't. I don't think it was. He was, you know, he did very little on the attack and I don't think that he was a solid, he had a lot of his counting numbers were high in that game for tackles and stuff, but I don't think overall he played a particularly good game defensively either. I, I thought it was a bad game overall. And that kind of comes back to my, you know, very first point, the takeaway, which is, you know, being able, I guess for me anyway, just kind of um, thinking about how I assess players um, specifically in this case, uh, fullbacks, because um, well, like I said, just a practical standpoint of them being on the very edge of screens and, you know, it makes it kind of tricky um, to see them. But um, yeah, I mean, again, you know, the team as a whole, I thought, so going back to the original question, Danny, the team as a whole, I thought was honestly quite good against uh, Inter in the Supercopa. Given injuries, given suspensions, I thought really we were quite good. Obviously, we took the lead and then, yeah, you know, we back off a little bit, I guess, but, you know, they only scored the equalizer 10 minutes after McKenney's goal. So it's, it's a little hard to, I mean, judge too much from there. Um, also, that call was rough. I did not think yeah. that was a penalty. Yeah, you look at that, you, yeah. you look at that, you see Jekko stepping on De Chilio's foot and then throwing himself. 
Yeah, I, I do. That agree. was not a great call, and and should have been, in my opinion, should have been reviewed. But yeah, I thought the the Chiellini incident on Barella was probably more of a penalty. I thought that was. I, uh, I didn't kind of think that was either. I think they were both the same. Barella stepped on Chiellini. That was the. Yeah. Like in in both of those in both of those instances, the contact was initiated by the interplayer. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I I thought, like I said, I don't I don't know if that was a stone like the Chiellini Barella one. I don't know. I wasn't like, oh, okay, that's a stonewall penalty. But I was like, you know, I thought that one was like, oh yeah, that was like. I mean, I wouldn't. I would have been angry if he'd given it, obviously, but I would have given it a benefit of a doubt. But the Jaco, the Jaco one with the Chiellini, yeah, I thought that was. Ah. I, I I don't think that was correct call. Uh, I agreed. I mean, I think he stepped on the Chilio's, uh foot there. Uh, Jaco stepped on Shilio's foot. Uh, that said, Shilio pretty poorly estimated that. Speaking of mistakes, I guess or singular mistakes or you know performance, good good performances being out, outdone by mistakes. Um, I think that was just poor, uh, yeah, estimation there uh, of the Shilio in terms of like how quickly he thought he would get to ball to the ball or just overestimated his own speed or I don't know. I just think he didn't assess the situation there. Oh, there's a good Dutch word for it that I can't translate, but anyway, um, yeah, the closest word I can get is estimate there, but yeah, like I said, overall, I think we were honestly good just given the circumstances, given that it is really the best team in Italy as much as it pains me to say it inter is. And I mean, we held them to one, one for, you know, hundred and, or hundred some minutes, and given injuries, given suspensions, hundred nineteen minutes and fifty eight seconds. Yes, thank you, thank you. Uh, <laughs> quick math, or something um, like that. and and yeah, I mean, you know, they are yeah by far just the best team in Italy. They they just had an, what is it an eight game winning streak ended by Atalanta or something like that, and you know they I think Inter were overall maybe slightly edged the game, but I don't think it was like a blowout like it was chance after chance after chance you know it was honestly a fairly even contest and uh probably one one would have been a fair result but yeah well fine margins in football we'll wrap things up with a couple of twitter questions here first one from at arthur schmidt the fourth taking into account inner injuries who is the ideal starting 11 going forward initially Given the current financial hardships, why isn't recalling loan players seemingly an option? To, to address the second part of that first, the team that has the loaned player also has to make that agreement. So, you know, it it, it takes two in that case. Although I do think, you know, I, I, I would have liked to see, you know, a move where Nicola Rovella comes back, uh, you know, in January. But, you know, we'll we'll get to see him hopefully next year doing more and doing it in a Juve shirt as for the, the, the best starting 11. Oh man. Okay. Uh, I, in my opinion, you're, it would go as a four, two, three, one with Danilo delict Chiellini slash Bonucci. Cause Chiellini obviously needs his minutes managed uh, Pellegrini. McKenney and Locatelli in midfield, Dybala in the hole, Quadrado on the right, Moise Kane on the left, and Morata at striker with Wojingol. That to me is the is it is probably the best fit starting eleven based on on who we've got available for the rest of the year. 
Yeah, I'm trying to look. Sorry, as you were talking, I was trying to look at which players we even have on loan. Yeah, well, it's not fast enough, but I feel like I feel like the only one that I feel like the only one that would be worth bringing back would be Rovella. Yeah, I mean, I can't even really. Well, yeah, again, I was not quite fast enough there um, to look it up. But um, yeah, just for off memory, I mean, Rovella is the only one I really remember of being on loan. So, I mean, I don't even know who we would, you know, get back <laughs> on loan. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I'll look that up later as I answer your question. Yeah, best starting 11. Yeah, basically agree with what you said. Yeah, I would say Pellegrini, De Ligt. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, injuries. I guess, I mean, Bonucci is fit, but then he's technically suspended, sort of, right? guess I'll, I'll tentatively put Bonucci in there. I mean, Rugani has had good games, but, you know, let's not get too enthusiastic just yet. Um, so, yeah, tentatively kind of put Bonucci in there. Um, I actually put Cuadrado's right back. I've generally found, and I think I mentioned this last week, that I prefer, for the sake of the team, I prefer... Cuadrado more at right back rather than at, uh, well, rather than further up the pitch. Um, I think he's just more useful to the team there. Um, I think he's better defend. Well, I think he's just more useful to the team as a more attacking right back than a slightly more defensive leaning uh, right mid. Uh, but that's, I mean, it's just me, uh, my preference. Yeah. And then Dybala Morata, of course. Uh, yeah. Like you said, up front. Uh, and then in midfield, yeah. I, I've been pretty impressed by, I mean, McKenney has been great centrally, but also kind of coming off the wing. Um, what I noticed, actually, that was kind of my other takeaway that I had to choose between. Um, I noticed that, I mean, Dybala dropped so deep. I mean, just so Oh, man, he got it in there. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes, 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 I did. But Dybala, um, you know, from the Seconda Punta position, I mean, you see him sometimes even... Um, you know, behind like Locatelli. I mean, on uh, during during at times against Udinese, um, I noticed he was you know even uh, further uh, back than Locatelli. So what happened then was that McKenny then kind of shifted diagonally like into Dybala's position, which uh, I mean I thought that was a yeah pretty interesting little tactical uh, variation there. And I mean it worked well. McKenny has been playing very well uh, lately. So I'm gonna I guess kind of like what I saw there. So. I'm going to go with McKenny then on the left. Yes, on the left. And Locatelli centrally. And, uh, well, I'm going to just going to give it to Artur there. Artur next to Locatelli and then Kulusevsky on the right. And then, yeah, Dybala and Morata up front. Final question here from at Pete Fry one transfer focus at the moment rightly is on strikers and midfielders but are there any young italian center backs juve should be looking at buying for the future you know if they have money and everything well i actually don't really know <laughs> thank you chucks that is, uh, that is show for this week <laughs> no um i mean bastoni of course he plays for intern i mean he's not available but i mean bastoni besides his just heinous dive against the uh, juve which i thought was just bloody disgraceful that deserved uh, that deserved the yellow card yeah so, that was i mean that was just i mean i'm pretty mild mannered guy i thought that was just absolutely ludicrous dive but anyway um yeah bastoni is a fantastic player though i mean he's he's a pseudo center back but he was playing very high up the pitch 
uh, against Juve. I know it was very high on the left, um, on that left center back, basically left midfield at some points. But, I mean, he he impressed me very much, though. I mean, has impressed me recently as well. So, um, yeah, I mean, Bastoni is very, very good, but not available, obviously. And you've got to talk about lone players coming back. There is Dragosin, who they seem to be very high on. He hasn't played much at Sampdoria on loan, unfortunately, but um, you know, there there's a, a a prospect to have around in case, you know, and, and maybe have him learn a little bit on the job here at Juve before maybe get seeing if he has a shot. But other than that, there aren't a ton of guys that are young and and like you said, Chuck's available that I would look at and just say this guy needs to be a Juventus player. I do think we're certainly regretting missing, uh, you know, allowing Mera Demiral to head out this summer at this point. But yeah, apart from Dragosin coming back on loan, I don't really think of, I can't really think of anything. Yeah, this definitely isn't the era of prime young Italian defenders coming up, is it? At least central defenders. There's some young fullbacks who are pretty solid, but not necessarily, outside of Bastoni, not necessarily the uh, plentiful selection of you know, young Italian center backs who are definitely waiting to take that next step in their career. But you never know. I heard Daniele Rugani is waiting to uh, receive yes, his that, That's right. He is the young Italian central defender who is just waiting for his chance, Chucks. You just you just wait. It's never too late. Never too late. <laughs> never too late. <laughs> all right. That's the perfect spot to wrap things up for this week's episode. Thank you all for your Twitter questions. We always appreciate them. If you want to send us Twitter questions, you can send them to us at Juventus Nation on Twitter. You can also follow us there as well as on Facebook at Black and White and Red All Over. You can also subscribe to us on your favorite podcasting platform, whether it is Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. If you listen on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, feel free to leave us a rating and a review and all of that nice stuff. So for Sam, for Chucks, and the absent Sergio, who should be back next week, this is Danny saying thank you very much for listening. And speaking of next week, we will talk to you guys next week. 